verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God to God the Father through him. Thank you, Robert. So in verse 16 of that passage, we heard about Christ's message dwelling among us through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And as Simon already mentioned, it's those words that led us to plan this as a a more extended praise-singing evening and for me to share some thoughts on this passage. So I will come to those words. But of course, verse 16 sits within a larger context that helps us to understand what Paul was after when he wrote about our singing. So we'll start there before thinking about how our singing should be shaped by what Paul has written. First, let me pray. Father, thank you for inspiring the Apostle Paul to write these words through the Holy Spirit. Help us now to hear what you would say to us through them and to apply it to our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, you may remember, Edward helpfully set this passage up for us. As he shared, this section of Colossians is a call to heavenly-mindedness. At the start of chapter 3, we read, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Since this has happened, since, for those of us who have put our trust in Christ, we've been saved and raised with him, our lives should reflect that. There's a result in what we do. So last week in verses 5 through 11, we saw part one of what this heavenly-mindedness looks like. Put to death, therefore, the things that are contrary to God's ways. And after that negative instruction, stop doing these things, tonight in part two, we get the positive instruction, do these things instead. If we have been raised with Christ, we can't keep on doing all that we had been doing before. Our entire reality has changed, and we should live like it. So the main message of our passage tonight could be summed up as, What you have received, give. What you have received, give. So what have we received? Let's look at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, this is our new identity in Christ. If you have put your trust in Jesus and become part of the family of God, you are part of God's chosen people, We are chosen. And not only are we chosen, we are now called holy. 
Of course we need to put to death ungodly habits if we are God's holy people. And yet Paul doesn't write that we earn or achieve this holiness through our efforts. Instead, the holiness has already been given to us through Jesus' blood washing away our sins. Yes, in this lifetime, we will still sin and need forgiveness every day. And yes, when we enter eternity, we will be holy through and through in our thoughts and words and actions in ways that we can only begin to imagine this side of the new creation. And yet, we're also already holy because Jesus' holiness has been given to us. So if you are in Christ, when God looks at you, he doesn't see a failure or a hopeless wreck or a disappointment. He sees chosen, holy, and dearly loved. Dearly loved. If you are in Christ, you are God's beloved daughter, God's beloved son. You are precious in his sight. He knows the number of hairs on your head and the cares of your mind. There's no need to compete for God's attention, no need to hide away from him. We are dearly loved by the one who has chosen us and made us holy. Wow. This is what we who are in Christ have received. Jesus, the ultimate chosen, holy, and dearly loved one, invites us into his reality. And so what are we to do with what we've received? We pass it on. What we have received, we give. If we've become like Jesus in the reality of who we are, then we need to live this out, following Jesus in how we relate to other people. And we do this in our attitudes and our actions towards us, towards others. So first off, the attitude check. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is what Jesus has shown to us and what we are now to give to others. And as Paul writes in verse 14, it is love which binds all of these together. Having received such great love from God, we now give that love to others, a love that is compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. And if we have such love in the attitudes of our hearts, of course that will flow into our actions. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Again, God doesn't ask us to offer to other people anything he hasn't already given us himself. What we have received, we give. God has forgiven us and offered us life where we deserved death. How much more should we offer forgiveness to those who have wronged us, even if their actions deserve our anger or our judgment? We have the opportunity to show others the compassion, kindness, and patience that God has shown to us. We are called to pass on the forgiveness and grace that we have received. That may at times, of course, be a complicated process. And it may take great wisdom to know to what extent forgiving someone means or doesn't mean inviting them back into a position of influence in our lives. And yet God asks us all to choose not to harbor anger in our hearts towards others, but in love to offer forgiveness instead through the help of his spirit. 
And we can see the effect of this in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. This peace of Christ, though it rules in our hearts, is not just something for us each to experience individually. Like the compassion and the kindness, this is lived out in community. It is about being at peace with others, since as members of one body you were called to peace. The peace God gives isn't just between me and him, but also between me and the body he has placed me in. And so taking this all together, what we have received from God, we give to others in our attitudes and our actions. In Christ, you are dearly loved, and you have received God's forgiveness and his compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now look around this room. Every face you see is the face of someone else who is dearly loved, who is also a recipient of Jesus's kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Is there anyone you have a grudge against? Anyone you need to forgive? Anyone you would rather ignore but with whom you are called to bear. What we have received, God tells us to give. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail to do so, and help us to live as you have called us to. So it's in this context, what we have received from God, we now give to others, that we come to our singing verse. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Like the peace of Christ, our singing in this verse is clearly not just an individual thing. We sing together in this community characterized by love and patience, forgiveness and peace. So how do we do that? First off, let's look at the content of this singing. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Our singing should be filled with the message of Christ, not just the words that Jesus himself spoke, but also the message about Jesus passed on by his apostles. Our singing should be full of the gospel. We should tell in our singing of the God who made the world and sent his son to save sinners who rebelled against him of the spirit at work in believers now for God's good purposes, and of the fact that Jesus will one day return to bring final judgment, to renew all of creation, and to put an end to sorrow and pain. This is the message we have received, which we now share. This is the message we want to dwell among us richly as the words we sing stay in our minds and reach to our hearts. And in singing the gospel, We teach each other the truth of God as he has revealed himself through his word. So that's the content of our singing, the message of Christ that we have received. Now see the way Paul instructs us to do this. With all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. The early church sang a wide variety of songs, and so do we. From Bible passages set to music... You are the everlasting God. You do not faint. You won't grow weary. To hymns written across centuries of Christian worship. And also songs arising from the Spirit's work in our own day. 
And this variety helps us with the teaching aspect as we remind each other that we don't stand alone as the only people who have worshipped Christ properly, but we join a great cloud of witnesses to God's faithfulness, spanning from biblical times right up to today, from England and around the globe. And the variety also helps us to sing as a community of love. The kindness we have received, we give. So we sing songs we might not particularly like, but we know our neighbor does, as an act of love towards them and a way of living at peace with them. In so doing, we show wisdom. It takes wisdom to know how to sing for others and not just for ourselves. On any given Sunday, one person may feel on top of the world and want to sing celebratory song after celebratory song. But in wisdom, they can know that the person next to them in the pew may be in the midst of a painful struggle and may need to hear slightly softer tones, assuring them that God is near to them and will help them through what they are facing, that he is the faithful one, their rock in times of trouble. So even in our singing, we bear with each other and we share Christ's kindness with one another. And in this singing, in this teaching through song, we all have a part to play. I may come to church on a Sunday, having throughout the week put my hope in my health or my job or my relationships, and I need to be taught through each one of your voices that Christ alone is my hope in life and death. And hearing those words sung by the person who has been battling with their mental health and the person struggling with stresses at work or school or at home and the person with 60 or 80 years of stories of God's faithfulness to them is a much more powerful witness to my heart than any one person saying them on their own. You, young or old, doubting or triumphing, add to the richness of Christ's message dwelling among us. And of course, in all of this singing together, we aren't only singing to the people around us. Paul writes that even as we are teaching and admonishing one another, we are also singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. When we sing the message of Christ to each other, we do so in the presence of God with gratitude for what he has done. So even as we sing to each other, we are singing to God. And in the same way, when our songs are directed to God himself, if we are singing in the congregation, our response to God is at the same time teaching those around us. So even as we sing to God, we are singing for each other. And we do it all with gratitude. We have received so much. And out of what we've received, we give our songs our interactions with each other, and our whole lives as worship. And so, as Paul concludes this section, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, when we sing together in just a moment again, or when we share communion together at the end of this service, or any of the other things we do on a Sunday, welcoming at the door, serving the coffee, working the sound desk, or outside of church, whether we're greeting people in the street or buying our groceries, as we live as chosen, holy, and dearly loved children of God, and as we show each other compassion 
kindness, gentleness, humility, and patience, all bound up in love. We do it all in the name of the one who died for us, giving thanks to God our Father for all that we have received through him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in Jesus we are your chosen, holy, and dearly loved children. Would you help us to live this reality in all that we do, giving thanks for all you have already done. In Jesus' name, amen.